The following audio is from a sermon series on the book of Ecclesiastes, taking a long look at life under the sun. For more information about Sacred City Church, please visit scmoline.com. Well, my name is Rob Spikestra. Um, let me introduce myself to you. I, um, myself and my wife and uh, daughter are members at uh, Sacred City in Davenport. Uh, we've been there for just, a, I think, getting close here about two years. Um, I am the headmaster at Morning Star Academy. That's a classical Christian school uh, in Bettendorf. Uh, we have uh, K through, or actually pre-K through uh, through 12. And uh, what brought us here uh, to the Quad Cities is that job, is the is that uh, position as a as a um, as a headmaster there. Now, um, I be previous to this, um, I've actually pastored. I pastored for 15 years, uh, 16 and a half years. And uh, I worked also as a fundraiser for a, another classical Christian school in, uh, in Leola, Pennsylvania. And when I was there in Leola, Pennsylvania, the, there were two things that we, we said. One is, or I said, uh, is that uh, I, I'd never want to be a headmaster. And so I'm a headmaster. And, uh, and kind of out of a joke, because uh, Nebraska is where my wife is from, and uh, uh, I went to school in Nebraska. Uh, kind of a joke, you know, kind of a fun rivalry with Iowa. The other thing we said is we never want to live in Iowa. All right, so we're in Iowa. So uh, God is good uh, to us, and it is my privilege this morning to be able to be here, uh, to be able to bring God's Word to you, and uh, to do it uh, here in Illinois <laughs> instead of Iowa. <laughs> All right. Well, it's always intimidating when, you, uh, when you're working on a passage, and then you come to the commentary, which reads this way. Of all the passages in Ecclesiastes, this one is probably the most difficult to interpret and preach. All right. (laughs) Well, I could agree with that. Uh, I would agree with that after my own personal uh, study. Um, I would agree with that uh, understanding purely on trying to figure out what is the basic subject matter of this this passage that we just uh, read together. It's difficult to sum it up. But I think we can, and really, uh, for the most part, there's an agreement that this text is dealing with politics, which for me is intimidating as, as well. Um, it's an intimidating subject. I don't have much interest in politics, somewhat jaded by politics, um, certainly don't have expertise in politics. However... Uh, when we recognize politics in its various arenas, we will quickly realize how relevant uh, these words are to us. Uh, this passage is important for us uh, if we are people who do live in a representative democracy. So we think of politics. But it's also important for us who work within a business, employees or employers. So we think of office politics. Or of us who are students within a program vying for position and relationships that will eventually hopefully give us a job. So we call that classroom politics. Or for us who are part of an athletic team. Or maybe in a family. Family politics. So this passage really does speak to the complexity 
that comes as a result of, a, of relationships, people living together. Now, the way that Solomon expounds uh, his subject matter here is he's going to make a comparison between uh, fools and uh, those who are wise. And so the passage speaks to all of us, even us who may fail to listen or have failed to listen or may fail to listen uh, even today, to those who fail to apply this passage into relationships. It it, it clearly spells out the consequences of those who are not wise. And so in one sense, if you're wise or if you're going to be a fool today, it's speaking to you. <laughs> and the passage is immediately relevant so that it's possible to apply its truth even as you leave this morning and exit this aisle. There are some things to be thinking about in terms of our relationships with one another. Or it's as, as immediate in its application as you get in your car and you do that mundane thing which is drive back home or drive someplace to eat Uh, you may have an opportunity to apply this passage today. And its long-term consequence, deep consequence, is that it will give us a sense of peace, a sense of okayness. As we navigate in this fallen uh, world, uh, Solomon gives us the brutal reality of living here, and yet he also at least helps us to understand that there is something greater uh, than the wisdom that's under the sun, but a wisdom uh, above the sun, something that will help us to have some, some okayness and, and peace uh, for us who are broken now, who will one day fill our longing, and, and one day who wants to fill our longings to make all things right. There's, there's peace for us uh, here as well. So now, before we get to the passage, I have three aims I want you to be thinking in in advance. The reason I want you to do this up front is because uh, it it is an expression, this passage is an expression of of personal observation and Proverbs, mainly Proverbs. And Proverbs are typically referred to as short, clear sayings, packed with truth. In such a way that one could spend just one time on one proverb and be mentally and emotionally and spiritually full. This passage gives us 15. (laughs) So there is no way to mentally, emotionally, and spiritually consume all these proverbs at one time. Rather, your aim is simply to have your appetite wet for one or two Proverbs that speaks to your life today. So maybe we could call it just reflect. That's aim number one. Reflect on one that might really speak to you today. But number two, possibly we need to, we need to repent. Repent from foolishness or from trusting solely in wisdom but not in wisdom. For wisdom under the sun points to wisdom above the sun. Possibly repent. Third aim is rest. Rest in wisdom in this fallen world, knowing that there is a wisdom that is greater than this world and will one day fix all that is broken. So reflect, repent. Rest. So here's where our focus is going to be today. 
Turn to wisdom to navigate your way through life. Simple as that. Turn to wisdom to navigate your way through life. There's going to be only two points. Don't let that fool you. The first is simply that Solomon is showing us the superiority of wisdom under the sun. And he's going to do this by showing us six ways in which wisdom under the sun is superior to foolishness. Now, before we get to these six ways, we need to define two expressions. First of all, wisdom and under the sun. Let's start with that one, under the sun. If you are new with us, uh, this is a code, code phrase. Uh, one of several code phrases. Another one would be vanity. Uh, it's, it's a code phrase throughout Ecclesiastes. And it is central to what Solomon is considering. And that is, is there meaning and purpose and sense to a world where God is not considered? A world that is understood only by what we can observe with our senses. A a world of human reason. A world simply defined by what we experience between birth and death. This is what it means to be under the sun. And so look how he starts there in verse 13. He says, "I I have also seen this example of wisdom under the sun, and it seemed great to me. Wisdom. Now, wisdom is the second word. Wisdom is that craft or skill of applying knowledge to life, to everyday life. So what he is showing here is wisdom that is under, under the sun is superior by helping to navigate uh, one through life. Human wisdom that by God's common grace is understood and employed by those who live only live under the sun. So before we continue, let's pray. So Father, we pray, help us. This is only a work that you can do, and that is that which you speak to our hearts and our lives. Um, So Father, we pray that you would uh, give us a time of reflection, a time of, maybe a time of repentance. And we pray for rest. So, Father, help us as we walk through this pretty difficult passage. Give us, um, give us bodies to focus for a time and speak to our souls. And you will receive all the praise and glory as a result. We ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. So the first personal reflection that he has, that he introduces with verse 13, is this overall point that wisdom under the sun is great, or at least seemingly great. And the first way Solomon wants to show how wisdom is superior is to show the weapon of wisdom. So look at verse 14. Uh, There was a little city with few men in it, and a great city came against it and besieged it, building great siege works uh, against it. But there was found in it a poor wise man, and he by his wisdom delivered the city. Yet no one remembered that poor man. But I say that wisdom is better than might. Though the poor man's wisdom is despised and his words are not heard, the words of the wise heard in quiet are better than the shouting of a ruler among fools. Wisdom is better than weapons. Now here's his personal experience. Here's the, the little setup of Solomon's personal experience. It's a story of little odds for success 
for the little city with few men in it. And surrounding this little city is a great king building great siege works. But there was found in it a poor, wise man. Now notice, Solomon calls him poor. As a result, he probably doesn't have much influence in high places. However, he is a wise man. He has understanding and skill in applying his knowledge, and so by his wisdom, he delivers the city. Now, the first question I had when I read that is I thought, well, how? How did the wise man, what did he do to deliver this city? What happened? But you notice there, we don't know. That question isn't asked nor answered. Emphasizing that next point in our passage, which says, yet no one remembered that poor man. The outcome is all that is remembered. How it was saved, by whom it was saved, no one really remembers. People are fickle. If this is the outcome of wisdom, then it may, be, it may seem that wisdom is not all that great. But look at verse 16. But I say that wisdom is better than might, though the poor man's wisdom is despised and his words are not heard. In this example, the wise man's words were heeded and not despised, but even if they are not heard or, and if they're despised, Solomon still says, wisdom is better than might. And then he gives three proverbs. Here is the beginning of the contrast between the wise and the fools, wisdom and folly. The wise leader doesn't need to shout, doesn't need to shout to win over the crowd. The wise leader can quietly argue his or her persuasive point using wisdom. In contrast, loud. A ruler among fools requires shouting to make his or her point. It's among people who have no discernment that shouting may be impressive, may even be powerful. Shouting to whip up the emotion of an audience who are uninterested in wisdom. We live in a day of shouting rulers. On both sides of the aisle. Solomon says, verse 18, Ah, but wisdom is better. Even the weapon, than weapons of war. It's a picture of wisdom's power. But quickly we get a sense in Solomon's thoughts that there's some vulnerability to wisdom under the sun. Second part of verse 18, you notice there he says, But one center destroys much good. And then he gives a distinct picture of this truth. Another proverb. Dead flies make the perfumer's ointment give off a stench. So a little folly outweighs wisdom and honor. Flies are, are drawn to the sweet-smelling perfume, falling into the unguarded uh, ointment and dies and thus contaminates and spoils what should have been beautiful. Wisdom 
And the resulting honor does the same thing. It, it draws, it attracts fools who want the honor but have no wisdom. And before we know it, that which was intended to bring beauty is spoiled. Oh, sin. Sin is this undiluted uh, evil. It only, it, it only takes, look at the end there of verse 18, it only takes one sinner to destroy much good. How was that? How was it that a nation with a history of scientific discovery, of rich contribution, both musically and in the arts, with deep theological roots, like the country of Germany, fall into such depravity displayed in World War II? Well, in your mind's eye, it takes you to those black and white propaganda films where a ranting and raging fool whips up a nation's sense of nationality that justifies the destruction of millions. But, even so, Solomon would say, wisdom under the sun, as vulnerable as it is, is superior even over weapons of war. Turn to wisdom to navigate your way through life. Secondly, wisdom is superior as seen in the witness of wisdom. Verse 2, a wise man's heart inclines him to the right, but a fool's heart to the left. And again, there's this, there's this contrast here going on. Look first at the witness of the fool. Now, I think the key word in verse 2 is the word inclines. See, the inclination of one's heart serves one's reaction in an unexpected moment or an event. Now, in the ancient world, the right side is the side of prosperity and good fortune. Sorry, lefties, I'm a lefty. And the left is that of disaster and ill omen. So a foolish man has an inclination to act in a way that leads to disaster. So look at what he says in verse 3. Even when the fool walks on the road, he lacks sense. And he says to everyone that he is a fool. So that even in the simplest mundane act of getting from one place to another, uh, the fool reveals his foolishness. He says to everyone by his actions, I'm a fool! We see this every day. Driving on the roads, driving on interstates. A driver, by their driving, shout to the world, I'm a fool. <laughs> Are you a fool? In the mundane? By the way, there's a proverb for you who might be cut off by a fool driver. Proverbs 26.4 says, Answer not a fool according to his folly, lest you be like him yourself. And the folly of a fool is generally self-evident. 
The fool is in contrast to the witness of the wise. Notice a wise man's heart inclines him to the right, and so wisdom uh, uh, looks uh, like this in verse 4. Whether it be in your home or in your school, in your workplace, in your government, if the anger of the ruler rises against you, do not leave your place, for calmness will lay great offenses to rest. In the presence of authority who is angered, do not react. Act, he says, with abruptness. To storm out in anger for being misunderstood or to sulk out in, in frustration or to run out in fear of being caught. See, uh, the great offenses may be real or they may be perceived. So the wise reaction to the ruler's anger is to be calm. What might happen in that calmness? Well, for the truth might come to light. Uh, more information might give perspective. It may talk uh, in that calm. It may take in that calm a willing and humble heart for you to say, you're right, I'm wrong. Forgive me. See, children, um, if you want to calm that angry parent... Be calm yourself and say, you're right, I'm wrong. See, calm is likened, calm is likened to a baseball bat in Proverbs 25, 15, which says, with patience a ruler may be persuaded and a soft tongue will break a bone. Yeah, there is something about those t-shirts. Keep calm. Carry on. <laughs> the witness of wisdom is that it is superior. So turn to wisdom to navigate your way in life. Well, look at verses 5 and 7. The weights of wisdom. Now's the time to turn to your neighbor and say, I think he's using W's all the way through here. Yes, that's true. The weight of wisdom. Uh, verses 5 through 7. Another personal observation. Solomon is making his point of the superiority of wisdom by putting forth a negative. So here we go. There is an evil that I have seen under the sun, as it were, an error proceeding from the ruler. Folly is set in many high places, and the rich sit in low places. I have seen slaves on horses and princesses walking on the ground like slaves. Solomon saw an error that we still see today. And look at where it proceeds from. It proceeds from the ruler. And that is, he or she places fools in positions of authority, most likely, most likely out of paying back a favor. And the rich here is referring to the rich in wisdom, those who should be in positions of authority, but rather than those high places, they have little influence, they're in a low place. And so then verse 7, same picture. Those who should be ruled, he's not talking about literal slaves, but because they are, those who should be ruled because they are such fools are in the places of status, and those who ought to rule are in places of low status. See, this is the nature of politics in a fallen world. Now, the weight, remember that was the W I used, the weight of wisdom, the weight or the heaviness of wisdom, the true is the true order of life. 
so that when it's turned upside down, it shakes all of society. It shakes the foundation of a company. It, it shakes an athletic team. It shakes a family. Where do I get this shaking? Well, I get it from Proverbs 30, 21 and 22, which says this, Under three things the earth trembles. The first being a slave when he becomes a king. The fool in a place of authority. That's an ominous reality. It's a word, a shaking of up all that is solid when the foolish are put in places of authority in your home, in your school, in your workplace, in your government. As one commentator writes, the exaltation of unworthy character, characters is a sign that the society is falling apart. Oh, but when you have the right people in the right place, the wise, people with character, wisdom and application of policies, solid. Wisdom is superior, so turn to wisdom to navigate your way in life. Number four, the work the work of wisdom, verses 8 through 9. He who digs a pit will fall into it, and a serpent will bite him who breaks through a wall. He who quarries stones is hurt by them, and he who splits logs is endangered by them. See, the fullness of our, of our uh, world is seen in its unjust nature. Verses 8 and 9 are descriptive of an individual who is harmed by the very occupation chosen to be making a living. In other words, one's living has the potential to do just the opposites, to kill. The digging of a ditch, the breaking down of a wall, the quarrying of a stone, or the splitting of logs really are just simply neutral activities that can unexpectedly turn for the worse. And there are dangers and instabilities that come with, with good work, even political work. Uh, those who try to serve in, in politics, whether it's in the family or, uh, or in the workplace or in the classroom, in government, uh, even that they try to serve fairly and justly may see that their very efforts blow up in their faces. Don't be surprised. Nevertheless, Solomon continues with some pictures of the value of wisdom. Verse 10, If the iron is blunt and one does not sharpen the edge, he must use more strength. But wisdom helps one to succeed. Wisdom says, sharpen the tools of your trade. Don't let your tools get dull. Verse 11, If the serpent bites before it is charmed, there is no advantage to the charmer. Wisdom not used in a timely manner gives no advantage. So charm the snake. Use wisdom. The fallen world is filled with dangers that are unpredictable and can have deadly outcomes. The work of wisdom is to, in a sense, charm one's life. Not only re reducing wasted effort, but avoiding personal danger. 
So keep sharp. Keep learning. Grow in your trade. Don't sit still. Wisdom is superior. Turn to wisdom to navigate your way through life. Fifthly, yeah, there's six, so fifthly, the words of wisdom, verse 12. The words of a wise man's mouth win him favor. See, out of the heart, out of the heart uh, comes one's word. So if you are wise, your mouth will reveal it. It is remarkable the number of Proverbs that confirms this reality. Uh, notice what the wise man's mouth does. It wins him favor. A wise man's mouth has a positive outcome. Proverbs 12.18 says, There is one whose rash words are like sword thrusts, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. How were your words this morning? See, the opposite is true in the verse 12, but the lips of a fool consume him. Proverbs 10.8, the babbling fool will come to ruin. Proverbs 10.14, the mouth of a fool brings ruin near. Proverbs 18.6-8, a fool's lips walks into a fight and his mouth invites a beating. A fool's mouth is his ruin and his lips are a snare to his soul. And notice verse 13, it all starts small. The beginning of the words of his mouth is foolishness. And the end of his talk is evil madness. He might start as something small and inconsequential, but left unchecked can lead to madness. Verse 14, A fool multiplies words, though no man knows what is to be and who can tell him what will be after him. See, the fool doesn't know what is to come after him, and he cannot go to someone to tell him what the future is going to be about. But the fool assumes that they know and tries to convince you that they know by multiple words, an overwhelming sales pitch. Verse 15, The toil of a fool wearies him, for he does not know the way to the city. See, the fool is so foolish that even when he is unable to give simple directions, rather than admitting this, he wearies his confused traveler with a long-winded explanation. A fool is known by his words. So turn to wisdom to navigate your way through life. Finally, Solomon's sixth point of showing the superiority of wisdom, he finishes with the way of wisdom. Verses 16 and 17, Woe to you, O land, when your king is a child and your princes feast in the morning. But happy are you, O land, when your king is the son of nobility and your princes feast at the proper time for strength and not for drunkenness. Verse 16 begins with woe, uh, the strongest biblical word of despair. Uh, A country is in despair when their leaders are immature, undisciplined, and indulgent, using prestige and, and privilege of office to serve self rather than the people. 
catastrophe for a, a family or for an education or uh, for a business, for a country, doesn't happen in a simple event. Rather, it, it is like a slow leak, verse 18. Through sloth, the roof sinks in, and through indolence, the house leaks. See, the roof needs a regular, ordinary maintenance. But if you're indolent, Jim Gaffigan, his, 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 his comedy is around indolence. That is an avoidance of any kind of exertion. Or if you're like a sloth, to be habitually lazy, there isn't an immediate consequence, interestingly enough. But a catastrophe that suddenly falls. As a headmaster, I always marvel at the student who cannot believe they just failed their final. They'll come in and they'll say, but I, but I studied, I studied for hours. And so what they want to do is they, they want to cry foul over the faculty member. And so I go to the computer and I look on the grades and I say, well, let's look at your grades. Let's look at your homework grades. Zero, zero. Zero, zero. A slow leak. <laughs> On the contrary, one's family, one's education, one's job, one's land is happy when those in leadership understand when to feast and how to use their resources. You see that in verse 19. And finally, the way of wisdom gives direction to us who are ruled. Even in your thoughts, do not curse the king, nor in the bedroom curse the rich, for a bird of the air will carry your voice, or some winged creature tell the matter. It is remarkable how your offhanded comment or a rash word gets back to the boss where a little bird told me. Wisdom under the sun is superior, so turn to wisdom to navigate your way through life. Well, Solomon has packed point upon point to show that wisdom under the sun is superior. And yet there is this sense that it's vulnerable. It only takes a fool. Look back at the end of verse 18. One sinner destroys much good. And that sinner is me. See, the problem is you're a fool. I'm a fool. My wife and I have lived in some interesting places. I guess my children have been with me as well. My family. We lived in Portland, Oregon for three and a half years. 
Lakewood, Colorado for five years right up against the mountains. Lancaster County, Pennsylvania, we were neighbors of Amish. We were a short drive to Philadelphia, New York City, Washington, D.C., Baltimore. Near Civil War sites, including Gettysburg. We lived in Gardner, Montana, just 200 yards from Yellowstone National Park. Interesting place to live. And in moving in to every one of those places, there is a sense of hopefulness. Not only because of the opportunities to experience the new place to see, but a new job. And it was tempting to believe that life is going to be better here. But the problem is, every place we moved, we were there. The sinner we must most be concerned about is not some family member, not some classmate, it's not some middle manager, it's not some political leader. The sinner you need to be most concerned about is you. Oh, wretched man that I am. Who will save me from me? And then Paul writes, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. The wisdom above the Son. So point two, the wisdom, the superiority of a wisdom above the Son. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30, we read this, Because of God the Father, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God. And the weapon of wisdom. So back to our passage uh, in, in chapter 9. The weapon of wisdom is a, remember that, a poor, wise man. And he, by his wisdom, delivered the city. So listen to 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor. So that you, by his poverty, might become rich. Jesus Christ literally became poor physically and spiritually by taking on your sins on the cross. So turn to wisdom to navigate your way through life. 
The witness of wisdom. Uh, remember back in our passage uh, there in verse 2, there is an inclination of one's heart. Well, Jesus tells a parable of a rich man who was wise under the sun so that his land produced remarkably so. He was wise. And so he thought to himself, what shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grains and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, Fool, this night your soul is required of you and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? His wisdom failed him under the sun. The witness of wisdom, capital W, concludes the parable. So, the, so is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. But there is a wise man that when he finds the treasure in a field, he sells all that he has to buy that field. So turn to wisdom to navigate your way through life. The weight of wisdom. Again, back in our passage, we are reminded of the chaotic nature of life when the social order is turned upside down, verses 5 through 7. So Christ came to turn wisdom right side up. You know, you've seen those Jeeps where at the top of their windshield, these words are upside down. If you can read this, turn me over. <laughs> so God sent His Son to turn wisdom right side up again. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of the world, uh, the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom, it pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. For Jews demand signs and Greeks seek wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and folly to Gentiles, but to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than men and the weakness of God is stronger than men. So turn to wisdom to navigate your way through life. Or the work of wisdom. Remember back in our passage, the wisdom not used in a timely manner gives no vantage. So Christ, Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 and 5 says, But just at the right time, God sent His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. Wisdom given in a timely manner. But wisdom not used has no advantage. And so the Hebrew writer warns us today, since therefore it remains for some to enter into rest, and those who formerly received the good news failed to enter because of disobedience, again he appoints a certain day. Today. Saying through David so long afterward, quoting Psalm 95, today, if you hear His voice, do not harden your hearts. Turn to wisdom to navigate your way through life. The words of wisdom. See, out of the heart comes one's words, which is why Paul writes, for with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. So, Turn to wisdom, Jesus Christ, 
to navigate your way through life. For the way of wisdom is this. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Turn to wisdom to navigate your way through life. Christ, the wisdom from above, is available to everyone here today. Perhaps you are a certifiable fool this morning. You have lived your life as if you are a God making your own definitions of what is good and right, what is good and evil, right and wrong, and in so doing you have destroyed much good. Turn to Christ to navigate your way in life. Perhaps, a believer, you have trusted in Christ for many ways, for many years, sorry, and you could be an individual with a reputation for wisdom and honor, but you have blown it. One little folly ruins so much good. Turn to Christ to navigate your way in life. Or perhaps you wonder, well, when will be my turn? Don't worry. Turn to Christ. Navigate your way in life. Reflect. Repent. Rest. Father, thank you. Thank you that there's rest in Christ. Thank you, Father, that in Solomon's struggle to find understanding, purpose, meaning in life, as he looked under the sun, he found it so vulnerable because he knew his own heart. And Father, it's, it's true for us who are here today. We, we, we find ourselves so vulnerable. But thank you for the good news of the gospel. What we can never do in our own strength. To be wise all the time, every day. Christ was and is and will be. So, Father, as we take this bread and drink this cup, we are reminded of the wisdom, the wisdom who became poor on our behalf, who went from a high status, highest status, to the lowest status, who in his body, we, we remember, he took on our sin and received your wrath. so that we could have your smile. Remember, Father, that as He shed His blood, He paid for our foolishness.
Father, we have all one thing in common here. Before your throne, we are fools. And Christ is our wisdom. Give us reflection, Father. Give us repentance, Father. Give us rest, we pray. We thank you. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.